Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. It's an exciting morning. It is a really exciting morning. Uh, there's nothing better than having baptisms, uh, hearing the hearts and the connection that people have with Jesus and how they've journeyed towards that connection. Um, so it is really exciting. Uh, I want to welcome you here. If this is your first time here at church, I want a, a massive welcome to you, a warm welcome to you, and uh, it's, a, it's a great morning to be here. If you're one of the friends or family of the three uh, being baptized of Portia, Luke, or Rebecca, a warm welcome as well. Um, I trust that you will feel a sense of the peace of God in the service today. If you're online, great to have you with us as well. You might want to just write write from where you're watching in the chat space if you can. uh, Tell us who you are. Um, You can also go online onto our website and fill in a connect form uh, through our website as well. Well, we're blessed to have this baptism today of Luke, Rebecca and Portia. It is exciting. It's a special day. It's a benchmark day in a person's faith. Uh, uh, A day where they'll turn back to again and again. A day that they will remember. Now, full immersion by baptism is a practice that's, that's, that's set deeply in the early Christian tradition. It's a powerful, it's a, it's a real vivid, visual representation of a person's commitment to Christ. They're declaring their faith publicly. The complete immersion of a believer in water symbolized their identification with Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection again. So in Doing baptism, being baptized, we see this imagery of, of leaving behind an old life, being buried with Christ and rising up with Christ as well. A new life with Christ that is lived day after day. So just as Jesus emerged from the waters of a baptism to, into his earthly ministry, so do those this morning who undergo baptism. They don't just get baptized and stay. They get baptized and they're into a new identity in Christ living out Christ's love for others. So today we are really privileged to witness the baptisms of Portia, Rebecca and Luke, who have made this decision. Now, I need to let you know, and especially for for Luke, for Portia and for Rebecca, we haven't done anything special to the water. There's nothing special in the water. We haven't put anything extra special. We haven't got busted in from Jerusalem or anything like that. There's nothing special about the water. And it's warm, which is good as well, so we don't have to freeze when we get in there. I think it's warm. I didn't test it, actually. Um, We might have a... The guys might have tricked us, but I think it's warm. But what makes baptism special is the faithful obedience of what God is doing in the lives of these three young people as the Holy Spirit leads them out of the waters today. We're also having three baptisms tonight, so you might want to come back again tonight and see three more baptisms. But one of my favourite parts of the baptism is the story that we get to hear. And this morning we're going to get to hear the story of these three young people about how they've come to know Jesus. So I'm going to invite Luke up first. He's going to come now and he's going to share his testimony with us, his story, his faith journey. Thanks, Luke. Now, if you don't know Luke, you can get to know Luke after the service. Come and say g'day to him. But um, yeah, Luke, Luke uh, has been around for a, a couple of, well, a year and a bit around the church, so it's good to have you here, mate. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. That was a very warm welcome. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, my name is uh, Luke Beasley, and I'm a 16-year-old high school student, and I'm here today to let you know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Saviour. I think my journey starts at the gestational age of 21 weeks. Uh, For those who don't know, that's when you're in your mother's womb. Uh, At my mother's 21-week ultrasound of me, uh, the OBGYN discovered during the ultrasound that I had cysts in my brain. And my parents were told that it's sometimes linked to trisomy 18, also known as Edward syndrome. For those who don't know, trisomy 18 is a genetic disorder caused by the presence of a third copy of all or part of the 18th chromosome. Many parts of the body are affected. Babies are often born small and have heart defects. Other features include a small head, 
small jaw, clenched fists with overlapping fingers and severe intellectual disability. About 95% of pregnancies that are affected do not resolve in a live birth. Half of the live infants do not survive beyond the first week of living and the medium lifespan is 5 to 15 days. About 8 to 12% of infants live longer than one year and only 1% of children live to the age of 10. So naturally, they didn't know if I would be born without defect. Like many nowadays who are put in these situations, my mother could have taken the easy way out. She could have terminated the pregnancy. But no, the Lord had different plans for me. <clears throat> when I think about this situation that happened to my mother involving me, my mind comes to think about Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 to 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was sorry, <laughs> made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. According to my father, my mother during this period constantly prayed to God that I would be born normal. And well, to quote my mother, we didn't know if you would be born normal, but thank God I was. Though I'm not a Calvinist and I don't subscribe to the doctrine of predestination, I do believe it was God's plan not only for me to be born, but to be a Christian, a follower of Christ. I would say my relationship with God slash Christianity and or theism, which is the belief of the existence of God, started at around the age of five. Around that time, I started to attend a Christian school, which I thank my parents for, as well as my grandmother, Laurie, who's in the congregation today, asked me if I wanted to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour, to which I apparently paused for a bit and said yes. But to be honest, looking back at it, my answer was futile, because truly, I don't think many five-year-olds can really grasp what God is, let alone who Jesus Christ is, and what he suffered on the cross, and what he can save us from. Although starting in prep, I started to learn about who God is, who Jesus Christ is, and about the Bible, mainly the Old Testament, in my Christian studies classes, but also in other ways at school. I became a theist, and I truly accepted the deity of Christ, but subconsciously not the saviorship of Christ, because I think I hadn't yet realized how I could be saved by Christ. I clearly remember the first time my faith was tested. When I was about eight or nine, my secular backdoor neighbor and I were playing in my next door neighbor's backyard. In this backyard was a broken and deserted wooden skate ramp. My neighbor asked me something along the lines of, why can't you use the Lord's name in vain? To which I explained it would be directly breaking the third commandment God sent for the Israelites. Um, uh, to which he replied, well, you could just stop being a Christian and then you could start saying it. Uh, but I declined. Then he replied, well, you can follow a different God. Look, I follow the pillow God, to which he started to prostrate himself on the dirty skate ramp towards a filth-ridden pillow. But again, I obviously declined. Now, why this might sound comical, I believe at the age of nine, a child is most acceptable to being coerced into believing things of their peers, true or false, because they want nothing more than their validation. But I stood strong and I affirmed my faith in God. A few years later in year six, I made the change from a Christian school to a secular school. For years, I'd been brought up in a Christian school environment. But all the things that came with it, Christian teachers, Christian study, morning prayers, devotionals, etc., suddenly vanished. Uh, and I was now in a completely secular environment. This is what I would call my first glimpse into the darkness of the world. I was not exposed to things such as swearing, blasphemy, talking about lewd behaviours, narcotics, etc. 
Not only was I placed in an environment where I was the only Christian, but for many, I was the first Christian they had ever met. So naturally, they became quite inquisitive um, about God or Christianity. Due to their inquisitiveness, I believe I became more interest, uh, interested in theism and biblical doctrine. Then I entered high school, and boy, wasn't that something. It was like year six times ten. Most students, uh, sorry, most people, students and teachers alike that I met were extremely inquisitive about my faith, especially about what is categorized as sin. And while looking back now, I realize it could have been a good opportunity to evangelize, but I still don't believe at that time I truly understood Christ's saviorhood and why I needed to be saved. But with this inquisitiveness also came mockery from some of my peers. But that's a given. As the well-known saying goes, we mock what we don't understand. During the following years of high school, my life was pretty much the same as described above. But there was one problem, one thing, my faith, my identity, whatever you want to call it. It was a lie. It was futile and it was fake. I simply wasn't a Christian. I was a lukewarm, nominal, whatever you call Christian. To put it in layman's terms, I was a believer of Christ, but not a follower. I was religious, but I had no faith. But I was too blinded by the darkness of the world to even recognize it. I would be quick to denounce one sin, but find myself guilty of countless others. But there was no guilt, no conviction, because one of the most important reasons was I didn't have the Holy Spirit in my heart. I had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is something man cannot do, only divine intervention. You could list all of the so-called seven deadly sins and boom, I could easily tick them all off. Even though I hadn't used the Lord's name as an expletive, I'd used the Lord's name in vain because when I talked about God, I didn't even know him because I didn't even know who Jesus Christ was. Then came me being saved. How I was saved was quite complex and personal, but I think the best way to explain it was God gave me godly sorrow, which naturally uh, led to repentance. This is how I was spiritually born again. Finally, I let the Holy Spirit in my heart. As 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 to 11 reads, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. Godly sorrow is hard to describe, but it was something I'd never experienced before. But it taught me the act of spiritual surrender, which I think the best way to explain it is you stop worrying. You stop being anxious. You stop trying to fix all the problems that you can't fix. And you let God take control. It may sound corny, but you let Jesus take the wheel. Through that, I also got to know the Lord's peace. Or as I like to call it, the peace that makes absolutely no sense. The peace where you should be afraid, you should be frightened. But yet, you have this sense of calm that you've never felt before. It's supernatural. Instead of living for the world, I finally started living for God. Instead of living by my flesh, I started living by the Holy Spirit. I finally became a follower of Christ and not just a believer. Jesus stated very explicitly in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 26, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross to follow me. Through whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be to gain the entire world yet forfeit their soul? 
In denying yourself, you deny your old life, your old ways. My old life has been crucified with Christ, but Christ lives in me. As Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 reads, For I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. After giving my life to Christ, I noticed some significant changes right away, mainly in my prayer life and in reading the Bible. Before uh, then, my prayer life was essentially non-existent. During my primary school years, I seldom prayed, except for possibly uh, blessing a flight before I went on a plane. And that really didn't change until year nine when I learned the Lord's Prayer by heart. Almost every day for a while, I would recite it, but really, it was nothing but a vain utterance at the time. It felt almost obligatory. But now I find myself praying to the Lord when I wake up, before I go to bed, and all in between. I pray to talk with God, I pray to thank God, and I pray to ask of God. And I pray for forgiveness. In prayer, I build my relationship with God. Often I find myself anxious, uh, sad, etc. But I always remember the best written song verse of all time. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Before me being saved, me reading the Bible also was pretty non-existent. It essentially was, I haven't read the Bible in a while. I'll just, I'll take a quick read. Or I would look at random bits, but I had no plan, I had no structure. And it wasn't until I felt saved I actually wanted to read the Bible and it no longer felt obligatory. But other, uh, other changes take time, like inheriting the fruits of the Spirit, being the example of Christ and being an instrument of God's love, compassion and mercy. But to sum this up in one quick verse is, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever and ever. Thank you. Thanks, Luke. That's awesome. That's, um, what a story and what uh, well articulated as well. That's brilliant. Um, might have to get you on a preaching roster here somehow. That's pretty good. Um, Rebecca, where are you? Rebecca, I'm going to invite Rebecca up and we're going to talk together about your story. Um, thank you for being willing, Rebecca, to be a part of, of today, to be baptized, to follow Jesus and as well. So can you tell me, Rebecca, a little bit about your experience of God when you were young? When I was young, I used to come here on Sunday schools when I was yep. little and I just is there anything? Around. Is there anything you remember about that? Mm. I enjoyed spending time with people and yeah. other kids and that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, so when you're young, you sort of know about God a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah. Um, was there a time in your life that you went, oh, I, I actually I believe in Jesus? Was there a turning point there somewhere? I think when I was 13, I had a heart operation and it was like really scary. And, hmm. and I went like through this experience when I went up to, like, my heart stopped. Mm. And then I went up to this. I was, like, really didn't know what was going on. And I was, like, everything went dark. And I was, like, what's going on? And then I just looked up and I just saw this light Mm. up in the sky. Yeah, wow. So there's a real, very real experience Mm -hmm. for you of of God. And, And so you obviously... You obviously lived through it. Yes. You're here today, which is a good thing. Yeah. And, and you sense that God was with you through those moments. Mm-hmm. And I know your parents were probably praying for you in those times as yes. well. Yes, my dad was really scared. He yeah, didn't know what was going on. Yeah, of course, of course. And, and, and so you've, you, you've come through these experiences. You've, you've made a commitment to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You've called Jesus as your Lord. What's it been like for you since having God as your, or Jesus as your personal saviour? I feel like he's 
helped me not be stressed as much right. and not be anxious when I meet people. That's awesome. And to go up to people and talk to them. Yeah. That. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing You're some welcome. of yours part. I just want one more, one more thing okay. and see how you go with this. Okay. But what... Is there a Bible verse or something that, that um, stood out to you during your, your Christian journey so far? Uh, I like the one called Love Each Other Deeply. Mm. I can't remember. Have a love for one it. another. Yeah. 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 Very cool. There's plenty of verses in the Bible that talk about how God loves you. Mm-hmm. And that we are to love one another as well. Yes. Um, Rebecca, it's been a blessing for me Thank to get you. to know you a little bit and get mm-hmm. to hear your journey, your story. Yes. And I trust that um, you can sense God's spirit with uh, Rebecca as she gets yep. baptised today and made that obedient step to be baptised. So thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Well done, Rebecca. I'm now going to invite Portia up and she's going to share her story as well. Good morning. For those who I haven't met yet, my name is Portia Ambrose and I'm Susan and Chris's eldest daughter. I'm 15 years old. Before I could distinctly remember encountering God, I was constantly looking for approval in other people, not in God. I often felt ashamed and alone when I messed up and couldn't forgive myself. My life revolved around perfecting everything, perfecting my appearance, perfecting my athletic abilities, perfecting myself outwardly, and how I must appear to everyone else. But after experiencing God's presence, I can understand his love and forgiveness, and all these things don't need to consume me anymore. This specific experience happened in worship at Youth Alive 2022. At the time, I couldn't understand what was happening to me. I didn't think it would happen to me. We were singing, O Come to the Altar, and the line just hit me. The Father's arms are open wide. This line is a reference to the uh, prodigal son who left his home and spent all his inheritance on parties and worldly things. He left his father for what he thought was better. I needed forgiveness from God and I needed to forgive myself. I had messed up, but it didn't need to be what defines me. I needed to repent and to give it to my heavenly father. After the song, we broke off into small groups and prayed. And for the first time in quite a while, I felt peace. God took away my sins and my shoulders were light. I still look for approval in others, from schoolmates, soccer friends, from my family, but not as much. I still mess up, but my sins don't make me who I am. I'm forgiven through Jesus' death and resurrection, and I can have a relationship with my Heavenly Father because of his relentless love and mercy. With God's guidance and truth, I can do great things. I will be bold and courageous like Esther. I'll be loyal and faithful like Ruth. I will trust in God and never cease to pray like Hannah, and I will be humble like Mary. And I know, like Mary Magdalene, to never let my sins and the the judgments of the world stop me from experiencing God's love and joy. Like the prodigal son, I'm always welcome home. The Father's arms are open wide, and he invites you too to experience his great salvation and forgiveness. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Portia. Don't go too far, Portia, because we're going to go out the back very, 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 very soon. (laughs) Um, Three testimonies of of young people that love Jesus. How good is that? Uh, How how encouraged do you feel um, just by hearing those testimonies? We're going to head out the back, so we're going to be like two minutes. So in those two minutes, I wanted you to get, just talk to the people next to you about one thing that maybe stood out to you from what you've just heard. So one thing, if you're at home, you might want to text it in the line on the, um, on the YouTube thing, what stood out to you. And I'll invite our ba- baptism candidates behind us. So for if you've never been to a baptism before, the art is to... to Come in through one side, be baptised with Christ, and exit out the other side. So today we're going to baptise Luke. Um, I have got a verse for you, Luke. It's, it's interesting you said that verse. Yes. Because that verse will come up in a little while. Yeah. But um, if, you can have the, if I can have the uh, verse on the back screen. Did it come up on the back one, chance? Oh, that's, that's not good. Uh, the, the verse is Isaiah 40, verse 31. And someone might like to read it for me. Those who saw like wings on eagles. For those who hope in the Lord. Thank you. 
But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Well, Luke, I'm going to get you onto your, shoes, onto your knees now. I'm going to ask you three questions. Yes. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour? I do. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? I do. And do you promise to serve him with all your heart? I do. On your profession of faith, I baptise you now in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. going to pray. Our Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for Luke. I thank you for the miracle that he is, the miracle that he is here now, and the miracle that he is being baptised today. That God, you are not, you haven't just watched over him from the beginning, you continue to watch over him, and you have something good for his life. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus, that you are here right now. We ask, Lord Jesus, you speak to Luke. You speak to us. May you bless Luke in the coming days. May he be bold to share his faith with the school friends, the place where he is. May he continue to be that miracle that you've made him to be. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Bless you, buddy. Rebecca, how wonderful, how wonderful. Um, Now, Rebecca, I have a verse to share with you as well. Mm -hmm. And it's actually the verse that Luke read out, Psalm Mm -hmm. 139, verses 13 to 14. And I'm going to get Gail to read it again. It should be up on the screen. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God made you and formed you perfectly well. Mm -hmm. In his image. Believe that and live into that. Why don't you jump on your knees? Put your hands up. Now, Rebecca, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Uh, do you promise to live for him all the days of your life? I do. And do you promise to serve him with all you can? I do. In the name, well, from, in, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptise you. Let's pray. Our Lord God, as we've just heard in the verse, that you have made Rebecca beautifully perfectly how you want her to be and I pray that her life will continue to be a testimony of faith to all those that she meets that she will uh, just show you in all that she is Jesus you have brought her here today you are working in her Holy Spirit continue to work continue to be a part of her life as she goes along her journey May she be a light to others, the light that you've put in her. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's my privilege to baptise you, Portia, this morning. And my verse that I want to share with you is from Isaiah 58.11. It says, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. So I'm going to ask you some questions. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Will you live within the fellowship of the church and will you serve Jesus Christ in the world? I will. Now, please kneel. So now, on your confession of faith, I baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. 
Jesus, we thank you for Portia and we thank you for the work that you've done in her life. And Lord, the image I have for Portia is uh, from Matthew uh, 13, 31, where the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that grows into a tree and the birds of the air will, will nest in it. And God, I believe that Portia will become a woman and is a woman who... Uh, who people can come and, and see and seek shelter uh, under her wing and under her shade. So God, I pray that, uh, Lord, that you would use her uh, to further your kingdom, uh, that people would come to know you through her, uh, and that you would continually, we thank you that you will continually guide her, um, continually give her strength, and that she will be uh, a well-watered garden, an ever-flowing spring, uh, just an absolute uh, testimony and light to your love. Uh, and God, we just want to thank you so much for her and what you've done in her life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A button. I'm so like, oh, dear me. That's that. Intense panic. Intense panic. <laughs> the only thing that calms intense panic is prayer, so let's pray. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to pray for the kids because I'm going to send them out to kids' ministry. Pathfinders are going to stick around today. They're not going out, so the years six to eight are going to stick in here. Um, you'll want to stick around for... Uh, what's to come as well. Um, so let me pray. And anyone in creche to grade five will go out to their respective spaces. Let me pray. Now, Lord and God, I give you thanks and praise so much for your goodness, uh, for how you've uh, already blessed this service, for the encouragement that we've been able to have. We pray for our children now as they head out uh, into their uh, respective classes. And I pray that they will Remember what they've learnt here. Remember what's going on here. And that will ask questions that they'll be really seeking to, to know you. So we give you thanks and praise uh, for them, for their teachers uh, as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, kids, you can head on out. Uh, if you don't know where you're going, um, uh, primary school out this door and follow Susan here. Um, preschool up the front of the, the foyer. And there's a crash just in the double doors out the back there. Well, Alpha is coming up. The 22nd of June is the key starting date. Uh, so 22nd of June, we're having a, uh, uh, an initial starting point. If you have got questions about faith, if you've got questions uh, uh, that you were thinking about God in some way and you're thinking, I want to know more, if you've been on this Christian journey for a while but feel like you've just lost it a little bit, Alpha is for you. Um, there's a table at the, uh, in the foyer after church, sign yourself up. But also, if you have a strong faith, you might want to be considering who you might want to bring along, a neighbour, a friend, someone who's asked you a few questions at work, someone who has some sort of sense of wanting to know a little bit more. So please consider Alpha, consider how you might be able to bring some along. Also, we still need people to help out. We still need people to uh, help out with some meals. We still need people to help out with, um, with being group leaders as well. So if there's any way, or even if you just want to explore that a little bit further, uh, Alpha, please go and see. Pete, will be at the, Pete Lawrence will be at the table after the service. Please go to the table and, and have a chat with him. That would be great. A few couple of things. We've got three more baptisms tonight. Um, we have Ben McLaughlin, Luke Burrows, and uh, I think it's is it Hannah Jones. Yeah, sweet. So please come along. 5.30 here would be great. Next weekend is State Youth Games. Now, I don't know if we've, we haven't pushed it real big in the morning, but the guys at the night, they've been right on it. Um, so we need to be praying for these guys because State Youth Games is amazing. What a great weekend of lots of fun for our, our teens especially. But we need to be praying for our teens and our, our young adults as they lead, as they go, as they build connections together. So we'll pray for them in a little while. We might even get them to stand up. But think about them next weekend. It's always cold. It's always wet. Don't know why anyone wanted to go, but they love it. I absolutely love it. It's the best, best week of their best night of the week. And actually, I've heard testimonies when we've been doing other baptisms in the past. Testimonies come from the times that they've been at State Youth Games. 
the togetherness, the, the growth and that sort of thing. So um, we want to make sure that they're there. I think we're going to send them out tonight as well. Is that right, Jordan? And a bit of a, a prayer for them tonight. Awesome. That's good. Well, why don't we spend just a couple of minutes just praying for our state game team. Is there anyone from the, state, from the young adult team, the team that's helping out going next week? There's a few of them here. Can, can I get those who are helping on the team or on the team, um, especially uh, uh, Kyle. Kyle's done all the, uh, a lot of the hard yards um, to get that. Actually, Kyle, we're going to get a special prayer for you. Come out the front, mate. Um, yeah, come out the front because Kyle has done stacks in getting this together, um, all the organising and everything else. So we want to pray a special prayer for you, mate. Um, thank you, first of all, for what you've done. Um, how are you feeling about it? Um, yeah, feeling all right. Uh, a little bit to go, but it's all right. Do you need some, like, lifters on Thursday and Friday to get in here and help you out? Uh, no, but I need people on Monday. If you want to take a tent home and watch that, please let me know. <laughs> all right. It's going to be a nice weekend next weekend, so there won't be any mud on it. <laughs> Hey, I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to pray for the team as well. Let's pray. Loving God, I thank you so much for Kyle and the work that he's done to get Safety Youth Games up and running uh, this year. We thank you for the team that he's got around him and the people that have really pitched in to get uh, a, a great weekend sorted out. We pray that as they head off next week, that they will have one safety, that they'll be safe in all the travels, in all the spaces, getting to different sports, all the playing of sports and all the fun that they'll have. But we pray, Lord Jesus, it'll be just more than that as well, that the little connections through the weekend uh, will be uh, big connections in you, that those who may be struggling in faith or may have no faith may get a glimpse of what it means to be a person of faith through State Youth Games. We ask, Lord Jesus, that there'll be some great bonds together as, uh, as they grow and play and have fun, but also see you. We thank you so again for Kyle. I pray a blessing over him as he uh, helps uh, to really navigate what's going on next weekend. Be with him. Give him boldness. Give him joy as well as he gets to enjoy it as well. We thank you for Jordan as well, uh, overseeing this as well. We ask your blessing over all of them in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, mate. Thanks. Okay. I'm going to, we're going to take up our offering. Generally on the first of our weekend of every month, we take up an extra offering. It's called a community care offering. Our community care offering goes to those in our community who might be in greater need. So sometimes we have people walk through the door, we give um, some gifts to uh, the local schools when the needs arise, they call us up and say, is there anything that you can give? So that's what the community care offering does. We normally put it around as a second offering. We, we're not doing that at the moment. We're only doing one, one offering as a, a week at the moment. Um, if you've come prepared with your community care offering and you haven't got an envelope, uh, that's right, you might want to hold it or put it into an envelope uh, after the service, there's envelopes out in the foyer, or you can get uh, it to us through the week or next week as well. Um, you can put your community care offering in whenever you need to, and whenever you're feeling like God's prompting you to, just put it in an envelope and throw it in our regular offering with community care on it. We'll make sure it gets to the right space and the right place. So that's our community care offering. It goes in with our normal offering at the moment. Um, so as we take up our offering today, um, be aware of that. Um, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Generosity. We give you thanks. And Lord, may these funds be used for your kingdom glory, uh, both here in the church but out in the community, that this church may be a blessing that seeks to bless beyond the walls here, uh, that people that are in greater need may be able to share in your blessing, Lord. So we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite Rob forward. He's going to share our Bible reading uh, with us this morning. Thanks, Rob. Good morning, church. Our, our Bible reading today is from Numbers 21, 4 to 9, the bronze snake. They travelled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit so many people and many Israelites died. 
The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. We pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on the pole. Then when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Now, this has got to be a <laughs> right thing. This is Nyoka. This is a very heavy, large python. Um, and she's absolutely beautiful. And she likes mummy. <laughs> she's very comfortable with mummy. But Rob just read us this Bible story all about snakes. And the snakes get a bad rap in a Bible story, don't they? Um, whereas today, this one is just wonderful, just stunning. And um, so my friend Nyoka here tells me that snakes aren't as bad as the Bible story would have us believe. In the, in the story, we heard that the snakes... Hello. Hello. Get a tough gig. We hear how the Israelites, they wandered through the wilderness, grumbling in the position they were in. No bread, no water, no food, or the food is just gross, and we're just going to die here. That's what they kept on saying. Okay, beautiful snake. Thanks. <laughs> I'd, I'd have another cuddle later if we can. Um, and the people were just... They were just finding it just too much. And time and again in the wilderness, the people would grumble, wouldn't they? They would just grumble and they wished that they'd been back in Egypt as slaves. That's what they were wishing. All along in this wilderness, God's provided for them. God's given them food. God's directed them in the right way, yet they continued to grumble and look back at what they had. And that's not great. Slavery in Egypt was what they had. It wasn't great. So in their rebellion and their lack of faith, God allows his people to face the consequence of their sin. And in this story, it was snakes. Now, Nyoka was a beautiful snake. Nyoka is not venomous at all. And, um, uh, and if she was hungry, we might be in strife, but she got fed yesterday. So that was good. <laughs> but these snakes, they came into, into the Israelites' camp and started biting people. And these people were dying. God sent snakes. Seems a, a little bit harsh, really, doesn't it? Couldn't he just send slugs? Slugs are gross. We don't like slugs. No one likes slugs. They're awful. They leave that horrible silvery trail and they just feel gross when you pick them up and throw them outside. They're just yuck. But they're not deadly. God sent snakes. But it wasn't just because God was sick of hearing them grumble and whinge like a child in the back seat of your car when you're about to go on a long journey. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? What have you got to eat? We've just left. <laughs> Can we take a break yet? It's been three minutes. But it's because they forgot all of the good things that God had actually done for them in rescuing them from slavery. God had only just recently released them from slavery that they were facing in Egypt. Heavy-handed slavery, 400 years of toil for the Egyptian rulers. And they survived through these 10 plagues that God had brought for them. Um, they survived. The, the, the firstborn was spared as the, the Spirit of God passed over their door, with, which was covered by the blood of the Lamb. They were released. They walked through a dry bed in, the, in, the, um, in Egypt through the Red Sea. The, the, the waters coming up like walls beside them. And they'd forgotten that as well. They took their eyes off the goodness of God. The perfect provision of God. The direction of God. And the, the, the consequence was snakes. Not beautiful snakes like Nyoka. But ones who were nasty. Ones that bite. And when you're bitten, you stayed bitten. And our passage tells us that many Israelites died. The consequence of their sin 
was death. Now, so the Israelites, they were dying at the hands of these snakes. But through this story, we also see that God meets the Israelites, even in their lack of faith, with total grace. God meets the Israelites in their lack of faith with grace. God responds to their sin, first with judgment, but also provides a remedy. His grace provides a way out. So when the Israelites ask Moses, can you pray for them to get rid of the snakes? God provides a way that the snake's venom will no longer have power or lethal effect on them, an anti-venom as such. And he instructs the Israelite leader, Moses, to craft this bronze snake upon a pole. And those who are bitten need to look up at it. When they do, they will be healed. They will live. But did you notice in the story that God didn't take away the snakes? God didn't say, all right, let's get rid of the snakes. The snakes are gone. Because as I read through that, that's the easy answer. Be like, let's get rid of the snakes altogether. If the snakes are gone, then we won't have to worry about the snakes. But he didn't. He didn't get rid of them. But he provided a way to live through the trial. God made them to look up, not at the problems that were around them. Now, the New Testament, uh, the, the, the book in the part of the, the Bible where the Jesus story comes, the New Testament draws a parallel to this story and to Jesus The book of John in chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man, Jesus, be lifted up, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Now the people in the wilderness, they were saved from physical death. But humanity's deeper need isn't to be saved from just physical death. It's from a spiritual death also. Because like the Israelites, we take our eyes off the goodness of God all the time. We heard that through testimony today. We walk in a way that is not God's way. And we're all deserving of judgment. Each one of us. But like God made a way out for the Israelites... He's made a way out for us also. God doesn't take away all our challenges, does he? God doesn't get rid of all the hardships in life, the temptations, the trials. And I'm going to be praying for our three baptism people this morning and this evening, this week, because as they've made a massive step out in faith, there's going to be trials that come. As we step into God, that's, there's going to be trials that hit them in the face. And my prayer this week is that you overcome those trials by keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. God just doesn't make things smooth sailing. Yet God provides a way for us by sending his son, Jesus. The snake, it, it represented death in this story. It became the means also of healing to the Israelites. So also Jesus, the perfect human, took on sin and death for all who look up to him. As the Israelites could look up at the snake to be saved, so each of us also can look to Jesus as our saviour, to be saved from death into life eternal. You know, this morning, as we've seen these three people being sharing their faith and being baptised, they started with a time before God was central to their lives. We heard it in their testimony. Before they, they saw God in a different way. There was a time where, where God's grace came to them and they could point out a space in their life where God did something. God Flicked a switch in their life and that God's grace saved them. Their testimonies told us about the love and grace of God that isn't just that one-off, but it's a continual, ongoing love, provision for their lives. That's the great gift of God. Maybe today 
you feel like you're walking in the wilderness, much like the Israelites. Maybe you feel lost. Maybe you are not sure what direction is, things are going to take. Maybe you feel stranded. Maybe you feel scared. Maybe you don't feel like things are going to be okay. Perhaps today you're seeking a new way. In the desert, the bronze snake was the answer. Look up and you'll not die. Even though the snakes are still around you, even though the snakes are still biting you, look up and you will not die. Today we don't have snakes, well we've got one, but we don't have snakes all around us. But today the snake's not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Look up. Look beyond the challenges that are in front of you. Look beyond the pain. Look beyond the fear and look to Jesus. Maybe this morning you've realised that it's been some time since you've looked to Jesus. You've watched the baptisms. You've been freaked out by a snake. You've recognised that perhaps your faith isn't quite where it should be. Perhaps you've realised that you're not looking up at the moment. And all you're seeing is the problems that are right in front of you. And those problems are the things that are killing your faith. Those things are the problems that are biting you and all you feel is the pain. Look up to Jesus. Let him take those burdens. I think Luke said it really well when he said, um, it's going to sound corny, but we've got to, what, was it, what did you say? We've got to look to Jesus. Let Jesus take the wheel. Let him take the burdens. Let him be the answer that you're looking for. Look up to Jesus. Maybe your response this morning to the baptisms is to explore baptism yourself. Maybe you've never been baptised and you thought, I should do that at some stage, but I don't feel like I'm quite ready. Or I don't feel good enough. Or I don't feel like I can do that because I couldn't stand up and share a testimony. We have three people who shared their testimony this morning who were, well, nervous. You were nervous, Rebecca? Yeah, nervous. You can do this because Jesus is with you. Bring Jesus back to the central point of your life. Or maybe for you this morning, maybe for you, this is all new. Maybe church isn't your thing or you've jumped online and you've gone, what is this? This has come up on my scrolly things and what is this? And you've jumped on. For maybe this is for you. And maybe you've never looked up beyond your own circumstances and you've never looked towards Jesus. I want to encourage you, just like Luke Rebecca and Portia have. Put your trust in him. Make him the centre of your life. Give him the steering wheel. And you can do that very simply. You can do that just by praying a very simple prayer. A prayer of repentance and seeking Jesus as your personal saviour. There's nothing spectacular about it. I remember when I did this, I was beside my bed. I thought I had to have the prayer position. I thought I had to do it all in a certain way. But I realise, no, God listens to the heart. So it's nothing spectacular. Speaking to God, expressing your desire and your want to put your trust in him, and Jesus will do the rest. So right now I'm going to leave just a small space, just a small safe. If you're here now or if you're at home and God is nudging you maybe to get closer to him again, to keep your eyes off what's going on in yourself and put your eyes back on Jesus. I'm going to give you some little space to do that today. And if, if maybe today for the first time you're hearing about Jesus and you want to put your faith in him, I'm going to give you this, that space to do that as well. But I'm going to get you to do one thing afterwards as well. I'm, going to, I'm not going to get you to stand up or anything like that. I'm going to get you to speak to someone about it. Maybe someone that you know is a Christian that, that you, you respect and love. Talk to them about it. Come and talk to me or Jordan. We'd love to chat to you about it and pray for you. So I'm just going to leave some silence and allow God to do what God does and speaks to us. After that, I'll pray, and then we're going to go into a time of communion.
So, Lord God, I just pray now that in that silence you've been speaking, that if there's anyone here today that is putting their faith in you for the first time or renewing their faith in you now, Lord Jesus, that you give them that peace that doesn't make sense, that passes all understanding. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you engulf them with your love, that they know that as they look up, there will be no harm. We ask for your, your presence with us, Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to come now to a time of communion. And the beauty of communion is that uh, the baptisms correlate to communion so much. The going into the water symbolises the burying with Christ and rising again. And it reflects the meal that we take here also. This meal is a continual reminder of the death that Jesus died and a celebration of his ongoing love for us in his resurrection. Matthew's Gospel tells us that while we were eat, they were eating on this night of Passover, Jesus, he took some bread and he thanked God for it. He broke off some pieces, he gave them to his followers and said, Take this bread and eat it, for it is my body. Then he took a cup of wine. He thanked God for it and he gave it to them and he said, Drink this. Each one of you drinks some of it. This wine is my blood, which will be poured out to forgive the sins of many and begin the new agreement from God with his people. I want you to know I will not drink this wine again until that day we are together in the Father's kingdom. The wine is new, then I'll drink it again with you. For those of you who know Jesus this morning, or maybe you've just come into knowing Jesus, this meal is for you. You're welcome at the table. It's a meal for all who have received the forgiveness of Jesus through his death and resurrection. So as we partake of this meal this morning... You might want to make your way, if you're a bit further back in the, in the search, there's a table out the back. There's two tables at the front. Make your way to one of the tables. Grab your bread and the cup and make your way back to your seats. In your time, you can take the bread and eat it. And we'll share in the cup together in a short while as a symbol of our unity in Christ. Let's share in communion together. Jordan, I wonder if you're happy to come down and do one of the tables as well. Let's share together. Let's drink together. Our Lord and God, we give you thanks and praise that we are saved, that we are forgiven, that we are set free. That this meal reminds us that it is you whose body was broken, not me. It is you whose blood was shed, not mine. You died that we may have life. And Lord, as we've witnessed this morning, the life change in the people being baptised, may we continue to live out that change of life in Christ. And this meal helps us to remember that. This meal leads us out into that changed life. So may we not leave here unchanged, but may we leave here as people changed and transformed. So we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I have one more thing to do before we go any further. Last weekend at our quarterly ministry conference, we were blessed to welcome two people into membership. We had Samantha Winnick and Chris Ambrose uh, come into membership. Um, I think Chris might be out with the children's ministry at the moment. Chris, are you here? Hi, Chris here. Can I get Chris and Sam forward? That'd be awesome. Now, membership, if uh, you don't know, membership of the church is a really important space. Come on, come forward. Um, is a really important space for, for us as we make a commitment to the people of God here at Kilsai South Baptist Church. Uh, it is a, a commitment of faith to say that I am part of this community, that I'm going to give of myself to this community. And so I thank Sam 
and Chris for that commitment that you're making to be part of us here at Kilsyth South Baptist Church. I'll give you that, and I'll give you that. And I'm going to pray for you both as we enter into this churchy relationship. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, it's a space where, where I hope you'll be blessed as members of Kilsyth South. If you want to know more about membership or want to know what it means to be a member at Kilsyth South, if you've been thinking about it and never had the chance to come and chat, please have a chat to myself. Um, have a chat to any of the leaders that you see. Um, their faces are on the board out the front there as well. Um, they'd be more than happy to chat to you about it. Let's pray for Sam and Chris. Our Lord God, I thank you so much for the commitment of Sam and Chris to you. First and foremost, you, you love them and they love you. Um, Lord, I thank you for the faith that they bring um, and the love that they show of you. We thank you for their commitment to Kilsyth South Baptist Church. We thank you that you have brought them here for this time. And Lord, as they uh, get really dug into life in church here at Kilsyth South, may you, um, may you bless them in this membership as well. We give you thanks and praise for them for the membership and for all our members here at Kilsyth South. We're blessed to have such a wonderful community of people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys.